following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. This morning we're looking uh, for New Year's. We're going to look at uh, John chapter 15. Um, and I will admit that I preached this before, not this sermon, but I preached lots on John chapter 15 uh, because it's my favorite passage maybe in the whole Bible. And um, I think it will be helpful as we think about going into a new year. So I'm going to read this morning from verses 4 through 11. John 15, 4 to 11. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Uh, Do you uh, do New Year's resolutions? (laughs) Um, Maybe you're like me and you tried that once and decided, you know, (laughs) you never kept them, so why bother, right? Um, Sorry, I keep losing my my computer here. Um, I do think it's a good time, and it's actually a good practice to um, to think about maybe not New Year's resolutions, but to think about what you would like to do differently or better in the year to come. Um, if you want to do resolutions, do you at least want to do things better next year than last year? Are there things from 2017 that you didn't really do so well? Or ways that you know you need to grow or change. Anybody have those? Or have some of you arrived already? Anybody arrived yet? No, we haven't, right? And there's things we want to grow and there's things we want to change. There's things we would like to be more effective and intentional about. Um, we need, we know we can always grow and mature more. And so it's good, it's, it's good at this time of year to think through that. Uh, what, what from last year, you know, can I do better? And, and how can I be intentional about uh, bringing about the changes in my life to, to see that happen. Um, every year I try to pick one or two things, usually in the area of spiritual disciplines or habits that I want to try to improve on, to, to um, um, grow in in the next year. So uh, I picked John 15 because I think it can give us some ideas, and I'm not going to tell you what to resolve to do, um, if you want suggestions, come up after the service. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I hope that it helps you think through, you know, next year, what can you do in your life to be more focused on what God has for you? Um, and to do this, I'm going to be sharing a little bit from John 15, but I'm also going to be looking at uh, some of the biography of Hudson Taylor. Um, and uh, I'm going to try to weave these two things together. Um, Hudson Taylor had resolved to go to China. It wasn't necessarily a New Year's resolution, but about 150 years ago, he saw the millions of lost people in China, and he resolved to, to go to China. Um, but in the process of preparing to go, he, he recognized that uh, this was going to be for him a big, a big thing, and that there was areas of his life that needed to be strengthened and improved. And so he set about, as he was preparing to go to China, to um, build into these lives some, some, some core strengths that he knew he would need uh, when he went, went to China, uh, where, 
where there was no backup plan. And you can, I just can't even imagine really 150 years ago what it was like, um, like to go to a foreign country where a, a mail was a six-month return trip, right? You send the mail, it takes three months, the return postage, three months. So a six-month turnaround on communication. Not quite like email, right? Um, I mean, if, if, if I go six hours without answering somebody's email, it's crisis moment. You know, I emailed you and you didn't answer me back. It's been, you know, almost half a day, right? Imagine six months. Um, so, um, so he writes this. He says, I had no doubt that God was indeed faithful and able to take care of me. Uh, but he writes that he was not so sure he had the faith to trust in God in the midst of the challenges of going to China. And so he decided he wanted to practice faith. And, and really his resolution, again, not a New Year's resolution, but his resolution was to, uh, to practice faith before he got on the boat and sailed for China. So this is how he resolved or decided to, to do this, to put God's faithfulness to the test. And what he decided was to, in his words, to move man through prayer by God alone. Okay, remember that. Move man through prayer by God alone. In other words, instead of asking people for things, he was just going to pray and trust God to move people to do what he needed. And the way this worked out for him, uh, he was living at the time at a place called Drainside, which pretty much captures exactly where he lived. It was this sewer ditch in, in a very poor part of, of uh, uh, the town of Seaport town of Hull, actually. Uh, and very poor, a lot of poor people living there. And he moved there intentionally because he wanted to be ministering to these poor people and wanted to be adjusting his life to living in different conditions. So he intentionally chose to live in this poor area. Uh, and at the same time, he was actually doing uh, an apprenticeship under a Christian physician by the name of Dr. Hardy. And the cool thing was, if you wanted to be a doctor back in those days, 150 years ago, you didn't go to university, you just did an internship. It was kind of an apprentice thing. Uh, apprentice being a doctor. You just watch how they do it and pick up a few things here and there. And that's how medicine worked back then. Uh, so he was doing this apprenticeship with, with Dr. Hardy. Um, and the doctor uh, agreed to pay him his salary every three months. And I don't know why in the world it worked this way, but back then that's how it did. So every three months he would give uh, Hudson Taylor his salary. Uh, but the doctor was very forgetful, and he, he told uh, Hudson Taylor, he says, you know, I'm not going to remember, so you've got to tell me when it's time to get paid, because I won't remember. Uh, so Hudson Taylor decided he was going to remember, he's going to move man through prayer by God alone. So this was his opportunity, to move man through prayer by God alone. He decided, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to remind Dr. Hardy I'm not going to tell him the word. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to trust God to remind Dr. Hardy to give me my salary. So, of course, we know how this goes, right? We know where this is heading. Uh, three months goes by, and actually, I don't know which season, but uh, on one of the times it was getting close for him to be uh, getting paid, um, it happened to be a Sunday, and he was down to his last half-crown coin. Um, and I'm going to use Thai bot just because we can relate to it. It was probably worth about 50 bot or so. Uh, so imagine he's got this 50 bot bill uh, in his pocket, and that's all he has. It was a Sunday, so in the morning he'd gone to church, and um, uh, and during this time of his life he just talks about how joyful life was in Christ, and he had this wonderful time of worship at church. Afterwards he went out praising God and and, and just rejoicing in God's love and goodness. And then in the afternoons and evenings, what he would do is he would go to these lodging houses in this poor, poor area. these kind of like hall pocks or apartments where all these poor laborers lived and worked. And he would go to these houses and he would preach the gospel in several of them. So he went out and set out and he began preaching in these different lodging houses. And after a long afternoon and evening of preaching, it was about 10 o'clock at night. He had preached at his last of these for the night. Uh, and after sharing the gospel, a poor man came up to him and asked, asked him, asked Hudson Taylor, if he would come to his house and pray for his wife who was dying. Um, and as Hudson Taylor looked at the man and could just assess his situation, it was clear that this man was starving to death and that probably his wife was starving. Um, and instantly, in that moment, one thought struck him uh, to the core 
And it was the fact that all he had in the world was 50 baht. And to make matters worse, all of that he had in one coin. Okay, 10 o'clock at night, Sunday night, no 7-Elevens back then. Hard to imagine life without 7-Eleven. No shops were open, no banks open. All he had was this 50 baht coin. Uh, and so, he, he, so here's the thing, either he, it's all or nothing, right? Uh, and, and for Hudson Taylor, it was, um, I mean, that was, his, that was his thought, you know, what, what am I going to do? And he says, at that moment, somehow or other, the flow of joy in my heart stopped that very minute. Um, because he wanted to keep that 50 baht for himself. Um, there is joy in serving God and loving others. But when we start to hold back and take care of ourselves first, when we fail to believe in God's care, there can be no joy. And he thought to himself, ah, if only I had change, right? If only I had like two 20-bot bills and a 10-bot, instead of one 50-bot bill, I would be very glad to give the guy 30-bot. But to give the man the full 50, he writes, was far from my thoughts. I was prepared to trust God if I could give them some coins and keep some for myself, but I could not trust God only with no money in my pocket. Um, so that's what he's thinking. But he agrees to go with the guy, and the guy leads him down these alleys and through this dark, dark courtyard, up a miserable flight of stairs to a wretched room, he describes. And he says, what a terrible sight he saw on entering that room. Five children stood there with sunken cheeks and temples, telling of the unmistakable story of starvation. Lying on the floor, an exhausted mother with a newborn baby only 36 hours old. Remember, the mother is the one who's dying, right? starving to death. And again, the thought that popped into his mind is, ah, if I only had change. Uh, still unwilling to trust God and give them the only money he had to his name. Uh, so what he did is he, he, uh, he wouldn't give them money. So he tries to encourage them with words. Right? He's going to minister to them. And he says to them, you know, kind pastorly things, you know, preacher things. God is a kind and loving heavenly father who will take care of you, he said. But he said instantly a voice screamed inside him saying, you hypocrite, telling them there is a kind and loving father when you are not willing to help. Um. So speaking to them was growing increasingly difficult. So he decided and said he would just pray for them. And he says at that season of his life, prayer was very powerful with him and very comfortable. So he knelt down beside this dying lady and he lays his hands on her and he, he begins to pray. And he writes, No sooner had I opened my lips with our Father who art in heaven than my conscience spoke to me. Dare you mock God? How dare you call him father with that 50 baht in your pocket? Uh, he, he prayed, but there was a raging conflict going on in his soul. Uh, finally, he said amen, rose from the prayer, even more distressed in his mind and with even less joy in his heart. And as he stood and ri rising from prayer, the man finally asked, he said, if there is any way you can help us, please do. But we'll pause the story right there. Um, and we'll talk about John 15 for a minute. Um, at the end of that passage, Jesus says that I read, uh, not the whole passage on abiding, but at the end of that, those verses in verse 11, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Uh, certainly, uh, joy is, is a mark, a sign of an abiding light. And as we see in this story, if joy is a mark of abiding, clearly Hudson Taylor at that moment was not abiding in Christ. Um, and so the question is, what, what did he need to learn? Uh, what was he struggling with that, that was keeping him from really abiding, from experiencing God's joy and the freedom to trust God? And really that's the question I want to look at this morning. What is What is abiding? If I wanted to make abiding my New Year's resolution, this year I want to abide more in Christ, what would I do? What would it look like to abide in Christ and make that more a part of my everyday life? Uh, Hudson Taylor eventually did learn that lesson, as we will see. 
And before we talk about the how of abiding, what it means to abide, I want to highlight just briefly five results of abiding that Jesus mentions. I'm sorry, four. Four results of abiding that Jesus mentions in this passage. And there may be more, but he mentions four clearly here. Uh, the results of what comes out of a life if we're truly abiding in Christ. Uh, the first thing he mentions, he says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. First result of abiding is that our life bears fruit. Uh, wouldn't that be a great resolution for 2018? Right? Uh, to have as a goal of your life to bear more fruit. To have a life that's more productive for God and for his kingdom. Uh, doesn't that sound like a good goal for this coming year? Uh, the second thing he mentions is that our life would glorify God. Verse, verse 8, he says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So the second thing that comes out of abiding is, is we, we produce fruit, and the result of that fruit is it's that fruit in our life that glorifies God. Uh, how many of you want to glorify God in significant ways in 2018? Hopefully all of us, right? This should be number one in our life, to live in a way that gives glory to God. So this could be a great resolution, right, for 2018. Uh, this year, um, be more fruitful. And by that, give glory to God. And by the way, we won't talk a lot about what fruit is, but fruit can essentially be two things. It can be inward in, that, in the, the character, the Christ-like character that God is producing in us. Okay, that's fruit. It can also be outward in our service to God that produces results for his kingdom. So the things we do that make spiritual impact in the lives of people around us. Right? And through those things, God is glorified. Third result of abiding is answered prayer. Uh, he says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Uh, does this describe your prayer life in 2017? Right? Do you look at your prayer life from 2017, your prayer list, and everything you prayed for last year was accomplished? Anybody got that? Anybody? Um, well, so that's, a, that's the result of abiding. Abiding is a prayer life that is abundantly successful, where we, we see answered prayers regularly. Okay, wouldn't that be an awesome resolution for this next year? Um, right? not, not, not just to pray more, but to actually see more answers to our prayer. Right? Um, it's one thing to pray more. It's another thing to see it do something. Right? Um, that would be a powerful goal for the coming year. Fourth thing, uh, the last thing he, he mentions in this passage is he says uh, that you'll have abundant joy. Right? A result of abiding is a life full of joy. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Right? Full of joy. Uh, it really is a lie of Satan that God does not want you to be joyful or happy. God, God desires that you have a life full of joy. And not only does he desire it, but he's promised it. Um, and, and certainly that would be an awesome resolution for 2018. I'm going to be happier in 2018. Anybody want that? I'd love to be happier in 2018. Not that I wasn't happy last year, but I'm, I'm up for more happiness. I mean, I overflow with happiness would be awesome for me. All right, so here's some great resolutions, right? Bear more fruit, glorify God in more significant ways, be more effective in prayer, live a life more joyful. Wouldn't these be awesome resolutions? Uh, awesome goals to, to work on in this next year. Um, sound good? No, it's not good. Sorry, those are terrible goals. Right? Because he doesn't say here, go out and do these things. Right? He says these are results. Results are not things you can make happen on your own. Right? The truth is we can't bear a single tiny little misshapen grape fruit in our life. Right? Uh, by our own effort. Uh, only God can produce fruit in your life. 
we cannot get, we can worship God, we can praise Him, but we can't actually do anything in our life to glorify Him, especially if it's dependent on bearing fruit. Right? You just can't go out by your own effort and say, I'm going to do this and God's going to be glorified in that and what I do. It doesn't work that way. Um, praying more, praying around the clock does not guarantee you'll get any answers. Right? Just because you're diligent and determined in prayer doesn't mean... Because guess what? You don't control the answers. Right? That's something only God can do. Finally, having lasting, undiminished, abounding joy is not something you can will into existence. Right? You can for a day or an hour or five minutes or maybe 30 seconds. But I'm telling you, somebody says something to you, some guy cuts you off on the road... You know, you hear some news of some crisis somewhere around the world. And what happens to your joy? It flies away. If it's based on your will and determination, this kind of joy is something only God can give to you. It must come from Him. And the truth is, this is just not the way of the Gospel. The Gospel is not accomplishing God's work by trying harder in my own effort and strength. Right? So scratch those things out as goals, right? Those are things we want to see in our life, but they're not things we work on to, to, to produce. But they're things that God will do in us. So what, what do we do? What should our resolve be? Well, all of that hinges on what? Abiding, right? Uh, in this passage, the only command is to command to abide in Christ. Right? The rest of it are results, Jesus never commands you to go out and bear fruit. He never commands you to go out and get answers to your prayer or to be joyful. He commands you to abide in Him. So that's what He says in verse 14. Abide in Me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in Me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in Me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so when you think about resolves, goals for this coming year, you need to be thinking about goals in the, in the, in the area of abiding. Right? What can I do to be abiding more in Christ? Because um, if we do that well, Jesus promises that the other stuff will happen. It will come naturally as an outcome of our abiding. So how do we do that? What does it mean to abide in Christ? Um, and, and how do we do this? If I'm going to make this a New Year's resolution, what specifically will I be doing? Uh, well, there's a lot that could be said about abiding. And I've read countless books, and um, it's been a pursuit of mine for many years. Uh, and I've gone down many different tracks and trails. Uh, but, but I think it could be, could be boiled down to simply two things, Okay. These two things have a lot to them. But I think, I think really it comes down, abiding comes down to two very simple things. And so I want to look at those um, and unpack them a bit this morning uh, from John 15. First thing is this. Abiding is depending completely on Jesus. Okay, abiding is, is depending completely on Jesus. Uh, seeking from him all that you need to live and serve him. Abide in me, he says, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What he's describing there is a life of dependence on him. Um, and there's an order to this. Okay, there's two things, but this thing has to come first. Right? The first thing we must do is live a life of complete dependence, relying on him. Uh, and it's essentially uh, practicing faith, trusting that God will do all that he has promised. Uh, this is where it has to start. Okay, not just for salvation, but for everything we do in life. We, we must begin with a life of faith, believing in what God has done and will do over what I can do. And that's the picture of the branch and the vine. Right? It's a big grapevine. We all know this picture, right? A grapevine. Grows up out of the ground, and on the vine are, are lots of little branches. Okay, so Jesus is the vine, the main trunk, the main stem, and you and I are all little branches that are attached to the, the vine. 
And the picture here that Jesus is describing is one of being grafted in. Right? So we weren't originally part of this vine. We were cut off of another vine, and we were grafted into Jesus. And there, as, uh, as we are grafted into him, we receive all the nutrients and sap and, and nourishment that he provides. Right? So that's that picture of dependence. As long as we're not attached to him, what happens? We wither and die. Right? And ultimately, he says, if you're not attached, if you're not grafted in, you will be burned in the fire. Uh, the branch is incapable of sustaining life by itself. Right? It's dependent on the vine. That's the picture. Um, so likewise, absolutely everything you need to live and do what God is calling you to do must be received from him. Um, not just spiritually, but in every part of life, right? Physically, emotionally, in every area of, of life, Jesus intends to be our supply. Uh, later, Hudson Taylor, when he discovered all this, uh, and it got written into a book called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Anybody read it? For those of you with LMF, you have to read it, right? So do you know what this spiritual secret is? <laughs> Anybody know Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret? Okay, here it is, right? Uh, Hudson Taylor had many secrets where he was always going on with God. Yet they were but one, one secret, one principle. The simple, profound secret of drawing for every need, temporal or spiritual, upon the fathomless wealth of Christ. Okay, that's dependence, right? Drawing for every need, temporal or spiritual, upon the fathomless wealth of Christ. This idea that Jesus has everything, everything you need to live and serve and follow him and to accomplish his will and purpose, to glorify him and to bear fruit and to see prayers answered and to have a life of joy. Um, and we really cannot do anything apart from Christ. Um, that's, how, that's how dependent we are on him. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, of course, um, you know, we can do lots of things. But what he means by that is that you can't do anything that bears fruit. You can't do anything that has eternal, lasting impact. You can be super busy. You can be active doing all kinds of things. But it doesn't count for anything. The only way you can accomplish things that bear fruit, that, that make eternal impact, is, is with Christ, through him, by depending on him. Um, and this doesn't mean that we don't ever do anything, right? It doesn't mean that we just uh, all retreat to a monastery and, you know, spend 18 hours a day uh, meditating on Scripture and praying and just abiding, right? No, we do things. He calls us to do lots of things. Um, the problem is um, doing is, uh, our doing oftentimes is, is completely apart from Christ. It's without depending on him. Uh, we arrange our lives in such a way that we can live just fine without God's help. And that's not depending. Um, we need to trust Him as the ultimate source and provision of everything in our life. Spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, social, financial, uh, helping, him, helping us in our work, helping us in our marriage, in our play, in our, in our wisdom and success, right? everything, we, we, we depend on Him. So if you were to evaluate right now where you are with this, like how, how well are you abiding, uh, uh, depending? Right? Um, now here's the test. It's easy to say, yeah, I, I, think I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty much depending on God. I mean, I pray, I'm, I'm seeking Him. I think I'm depending well on Him, Okay. Well, well, here's the real test. Could you do what Hudson Taylor did? Right? Could, you, could you allow yourself to like, give away all your money and, and get down to where you, were, you had your last 50 baht and some poor person came up to you and, and wanted your last meal? And this is your last meal. This was Hudson Taylor's last meal. Right? Would you respond any differently than he did? Or would you in all honesty say, I'm not giving him my last 50 baht. I need, I need to eat. And I can't trust God and depend on Him without that 50 baht. Right? 
Can you test God's faithfulness as he did to move man through prayer by God alone? Right? Try this. Next time your, your, your support takes a dip and you lose a chunk of support, instead of writing a prayer letter, instead of you know, calling your pastor, ah, I'm in a crisis, right? Just pray. Try that, right? That's what it means to be totally dependent on him. Right? And I'm not saying you can't ask. I'm not saying you can't write letters. What I'm saying is, who are you really depending on? Right? Where is your trust really? Um, Hudson Taylor writes this. He says, to me, it was a very grave matter to, com- to contemplate going out to China, far from all human aid. There to depend upon the living God alone for protection, supplies, and help of every kind. Now, he knew he was going to a place where he would have to depend on God like that. The problem is most of us aren't willing to put ourselves in that kind of position, right? I'm not that crazy, right? Who would do that? Um, he says, I felt that one's spiritual muscle required strengthening for such an undertaking. Amen. Yes. There was no doubt that if faith did not fail, God would not fail. But what if one's faith should prove insufficient? I'm telling you, that's me every day. I feel like my faith proves insufficient. I want to trust God. But when it comes down to it, I don't know that I really believe God's going to come through for me. It was consequently a very serious matter to my mind, not whether God was faithful, but whether I had strong enough faith to warrant embarking on the enterprise set before me. And of course, when the first moment of testing came, Hudson Taylor realized it's not that easy to depend totally on God alone. To move man through prayer by God alone. He says, I was prepared to trust God if I could give those poor people some coins and keep some for myself. But I could not trust God only with no money in my pocket. Right? So, so where are we in this trust dependence thing? Can we trust God with no money in your bank account? Right? Most of us will never have to face that. But that's, that's the dependence that he's talking about. That's the, the dependence Jesus is talking about. Do we really rely totally on him for everything we need? All right, so that's, that's the first one. Uh, how can you resolve to do that? What would it look like for you this year in 2018 to resolve to be much more dependent on Christ? for everything you need to live and and follow and serve him. Second thing, abiding is submitting, submitting completely to Jesus. So it's it's depending on him. It's also submitting to him in obedience to do everything that he commands us to do. Uh, And this has really two pieces to it. Uh, The word abiding in us and then doing all that he commands us. So, First thing, the word abiding in us. What does that look like? He says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Um, God has revealed himself to us through his word. Uh, It's inspired. It is is God's truth to us. Uh, In it we find something of who he is, his character and nature, but also his plans for us in the world, his purpose, what he wants to do in us and through us are all revealed to us in Scripture. And so one of the first steps of, of uh, submitting to Christ is really getting God's Word in us. Right? We need to fill our lives with His Word. And to do that, um, you know, we need to practice all the spiritual disciplines related to the Word. Right? And we we're familiar with these things, or we should be. We need to be reading the Bible. We need to be studying Scripture. We should be memorizing it. Okay, there's a, a good... Resolution, I, I resolved to memorize a verse a week. There you go, 52 verses. That would be cool. And at the end next year, I'll give you a certificate. Uh, and, and, and lots of applause, right? Uh, meditating on Scripture, right? Contemplating it, thinking about it, journaling about it, listening to good teaching, listening to good preaching, teaching one another. But those are all means and avenues to fill our heart and our mind with His Word so that... Um, it permeates all of our being. Right? The goal is that God's Word so, is so infused in our life that we think Scripture, that, that it guides how we view the world, and we come to know and understand and be constantly reminded of God's promises and His commands. 
Uh, it should shape our life. Um, so those are good resolves. Those are good. How, how can I get more of God's Word into my life? But it doesn't stop there. And sadly, too often, that's where we stop, right? We, we read the Word, we meditate on it, we memorize it. Right? It's easy, it's measurable, it's tangible. We know it. But that's only the first half. There's a second part. And the second part is that we must be doing all that it requires of us. Right? We're not really abiding if, if all we are doing is, is reading it and meditating on it. We must be also doing all that it commands. Verse 10, he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Uh, ultimately, God's Word abides in you to have control over your life. Okay? Um, to, to be submitted to, his, to Christ is to be submitted to His Word and to walk in obedience to His demands, to all that His Word requires. And what does His Word require of us? Well, Jesus says in verse 9 this. He says, he says if you keep my commands, you will, um, you will abide in my love. And this is my commandment, that you love one another. That's a pretty simple thing. We just just need to love God and love people. Piece of cake, right? Okay, maybe not that easy. Uh, but that's the command, right? That's, that's what we are to be doing. Um, and this is not just uh, like a sterile, empty legalism. Um, we should keep his laws and, and keep his word because we love him. Uh, that's why he says in verse 9, As my Father has loved me... So I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I love how Jesus links obedience with living in and understanding his love for us. Um, we are motivated to obedience by our love for him because we see how much he's loved us. If abiding is being grafted into the vine, right? we, we, we come to... This picture realizing that we deserve to be cast into the fire because our lives were not bearing fruit for him. And that's what he says. He says, if you're not bearing fruit, you'll be dried up and withered. You'll be gathered. You'll be cast into the fire. That was all of us apart from Christ. But through the cross, we were grafted into the vine, into Jesus by his grace. Right? Something we did to graft ourselves in. Jesus did that through the cross. Um, so we should be overwhelmed with grace, right? With his great love for us. All right, so that's, that's submitting to, his, to, to Christ in obedience, right? Doing what the word requires. So back to Hudson Taylor, right? His story. What, did, what, did, what do you think God wanted Hudson Taylor to do as he was kneeling by this lady who was on the verge of death because she's starving, um, but did he need to go pray about this? Okay, let me, let me pray, because I'm not sure what God would really have me do in this situation, right? No, I think he knew, right? He knew what the Lord was putting on his heart. Uh, if he knew Scripture, which he did, James 2.15 may have come to mind. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And here's the thing. At that very moment, the reason Hudson Taylor's joy had gone away was because he was not at that moment abiding in Christ. Not because he didn't know what the Bible said, but because he was failing to obey the Word. And so those are the two things, the two simple principles. Right? Depending on Christ for every need temporal or spiritual, drawing on the fathomless wealth of Christ. Secondly, doing each moment, each moment exactly what he asks you to do. Really, that's, that's abiding. Right? Whatever else may be involved, that, that in a nutshell is what it means to abide in Christ. Okay, the rest of the story. We've got to hurry up or this poor woman's going to starve to death right there while we're waiting for her. We don't want her to die. So, so, Hudson Taylor just prayed for her, remember? And the, the husband asked, if there is any way you can help us, please do. Um, and Hudson Taylor wrote, At that moment, the word flashed into my mind, 
Give unto him that asks of thee. And he writes, in, 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 in the word of a king there is power. I put my hand into my pocket and slowly drawing out the money, I gave it to the man. Telling him that it might seem a, a small matter for me to help them, but then in giving them that coin, I was giving them the only money I had to my name. I was giving them my all. And in that moment, instantly, he's now abiding, right? He is depending on God to take care of him because that's how, that's how he could give the money in the first place. He knew that God would take care of him. And so by giving, he was putting faith into action and demonstrating his dependence on God. Uh, he was submitting to Christ. He was doing what he knew uh, God called him to do uh, as the Spirit had prompted him. And this is what he writes. He says, instantly the joy flooded back into my heart. I could say anything and feel it then, and the hindrance of blessing was gone. Not only was this poor woman's life saved, but my life, as I fully, fully realized, had been saved as well. My life would have been a wreck had not grace at that time conquered and the prompting of God's Spirit been obeyed. I remember as I went home that night how my heart was as light as my pocket. The dark, deserted streets resounded with the hymn of praise I could not contain. Um, boom, instantly he's back. He's back, right? He's abiding because he did those two things. He trusted God and he obeyed. And it says that that night as he, he uh, knelt in prayer before going to bed, he prayed that God would remember his obedience and generosity and supply his needs or he would have nothing to eat the next day. Uh, I didn't mention this, but he said he had one bowl of porridge left. So the next morning he gets up, he gets his bowl of cold porridge, he sits down at the table and he begins eating his porridge, his last meal. Right? It's a knock on the door, and the postman shows up and gives him a package. And he sits down at the table, and he can't make out the name or the address on the package. But he opens it up, and inside is just a blank piece of paper uh, wrapped around a pair of kid gloves. And he took the kid gloves out, and out falls a half-sovereign coin, worth four times the amount of what he had given. It's like 200 baht, right? God provided, right? God provided, and God showed his faithfulness, and he, he could eat lunch, right? Now, it's actually not the end of the story. Um, and I'll, I'll quickly give you the very ending, but, but let me just say this. Abiding is, is, a, is a moment-by-moment thing. Uh, for, for too many years, I had this idea that abiding was something you kind of like worked up to. Like training for a marathon. You know, you train and train and train. And finally, when you get in good enough shape, you can actually go run the marathon and be a marathoner. And I thought that's what abiding was. Like it's what, it's what spiritual giants like Hudson Taylor did. And someday if I could be a spiritual giant, I too could attain to the life of abiding. It doesn't work that way. Abiding is a moment-by-moment -moment thing. Either you are abiding or not. There's no building up to it. Because right? you don't have to work your way up to dependence. Either you're depending on God or you're not. Right? You don't have to work your way up to obedience. Right? Like, God, if I can just read through the Bible three more times, I think I could obey you. No. Obedience is a choice you make every moment of your life. Am I following God? Am I obeying Him or not? See, for Hudson Taylor, one moment he was abiding because he was depending and trusting and obeying, and then, boom, he chose to stop trusting. He chose to stop being obedient, and, and he wasn't abiding. Right? It's a moment-by-moment -moment thing. Um, certainly, there are, we, we grow. There's a process of spiritual growth and maturity. Right? But a brand-new believer can abide in Christ. Right? Our abiding is not dependent on our spiritual maturity. And uh, Hudson Taylor illustrates that well. You know, am I really trusting God right now and relying on Him? I'm abiding, right? Or am I relying on others and my own resources, the money in my own pocket, my own wisdom, my own ideas? I'm not abiding. Am I doing right now what I know God wants me to be doing? Thankfully, we don't have to worry about what we're going to do tomorrow. 
Right? Just do today. Right? Just focus on, am I doing at this moment what I know God's commanded me and called me to do? Am I loving him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? And how would I show that? Right? I'm abiding. If I'm not doing those things, and I know the Spirit and the Word is prompting me, and I'm resisting that, I'm not abiding. Right? And remember, what comes out of abiding is a life of fruitfulness that glorifies God, where we see answered prayer, and our life is full of joy. So here's the test. Is your life full of joy? Maybe you're not abiding. Are you seeing answered prayer? Maybe, maybe his word is not in you and you're not really following it. It's not really the end of the story because uh, his 200 bot didn't last very long and he still hadn't got paid, right? Um, another two weeks went by and that money all got used up and it was time for rent. And still, Dr. Hardy was clueless. Smack that guy. Um, and and, and uh, Hudson Taylor's prayers were getting more and more earnest and intense. And he writes this. He says, It was not want of money that distressed me. That could have been had at any time for asking. Right? All you had to do is go ask Dr. Hardy, and boom, the money would be there. Right? The question uppermost in my mind was, Can I go to China... Or will my want of faith and power with God prove so serious an obstacle as to prevent my entering upon this much-prized service? So again, his whole thing, am I able to really trust God and depend on him? Uh, When he still didn't get paid, two weeks went by, still didn't get paid, he began asking and praying if this was really just a bad idea, right? So I prayed, God, maybe I'm just an idiot here, and, and, and... you know, you never called me to move man through prayer by God alone. Maybe I just made that up, right? So I prayed, God, is this really what you want me to do? And he felt like he got a very clear answer from God that said, yes, this is what dependence looks like. Uh, and this, and you just need to wait. Okay, there's a painful, dirty, horrible four-letter word, wait. Right? This is Dependence. Dependence is waiting. And where we usually get ourselves in trouble is we don't wait on God. We take over and solve the problem ourselves. Right? We intervene and we do it because we can. We don't wait on God. But he said he felt like God telling him, just wait. Because it was another Saturday. It was a Saturday night. Um, his rent was due the, the very next day. Uh, he had prayed all he could pray. He'd done everything he could do. He was trying to wait, right? Uh, and it says it was in the evening, and he was working in the lab. Remember, he's a, an apprentice learning how to make drugs. And, and uh, he's in the lab mixing up a compound for medicine, cooking it over the stove, stirring away. Dr. Hardy came into the lab, threw himself down in a chair, and began to talk over the day with Hudson Taylor. And out of the blue, he said, By the way, Taylor... Is not your salary due again? He was so cho- Hudson Taylor was so choked with emotion it took several seconds to answer, and his eyes filled with tears so he could hardly see. God had answered his prayer. He remembered such a relief. But Dr. Hardy continued, "I wish I had thought of it a little sooner. I just sent all of my cash to the bank for deposit." Otherwise, I would pay you at once. From relief to devastation, from tears of joy to tears of pain and enormous disappointment. He writes this. He says, it is impossible to describe the revulsion of feelings caused by this unexpected statement. I did not know what to do. Uh, He was literally in tears and um, he was spared embarrassment before Dr. Hardy when the pan boiled up and he had to rush out of the room with this hand that was boiling over. And when alone, he collapsed to his knees in prayer and pouring out his heart to God again. And as he prayed, he said that a calmness and more than calmness, thankfulness and joy were restored. I felt that God had his own way and was not going to fail me. I had sought to know his will earlier, earlier in the day 
and as far as I could judge, had received guidance to wait patiently. And now God was going to work for me in some other way. Uh, he went back, spent the rest of the, that evening in the lab, um, peace and joy restored, and he was set to working on his sermon for the next day so he could go preach. Uh, he was preparing to return home. It was 10 o'clock that night, Saturday night, and he heard Dr. Hardy steps in the garden. And uh, he was laughing to himself, greatly amused, and entered the clinic and told Taylor, strangely enough, one of my richest patients has just come by at 10 o'clock at night to pay his bill. Who comes by at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday to pay his bill? Strange indeed. But it seems he could not rest with this on his mind and so had been compelled to come at that unusual hour. Well, Taylor, you might as well take the money. I have no change, but I'll give you the balance next week. And he writes, I went back to my little room and praised the Lord with a joyful heart that after all, I might go to China. There you go. You've got some resolutions for the new year, right? Um, resolve to live with a much greater dependence on God. Uh, what can you do to practice trusting in God alone? Resolve to wait on God instead of taking things into your own hands. Resolve to get more of the Word in your life. Uh, and resolve to put the Word into practice, to follow the promptings of the Spirit and the Word without question. And the rest will come. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.